0: the sword of Christian theology and the shield of apologetics, while taking truth into the arena of ideas, you are listening to the Bellator Christi podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristi.com. Now join your hosts, Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo as we enter into the arena of ideas. From the Word of God, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, there is an occasion for everything, And a time for every activity under the sun. A time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to avoid embracing. A time to search and a time to count as lost a time to keep and a time to throw away a time to tear and a time to sew a time to be silent and a time to speak a time to love and a time to hate a time for war and a time for peace there's everything under the t- a time for everything under the sun and this is the word of god from ecclesiastes chapter 3 verses 1 through 8
1: taking up the sword of christian theology and the shield of christian apologetics while taking the truth into the arena of ideas this is the Bellator Christie Podcast. My name is Curtis Evelo and I'm joined by Brian Chilton as we answer your most pressing apologetic and theological questions of the day. Well, hello, everyone. We've been praying for you. Praying you've been having conversations with people around you and helping point them to Jesus. Question for you all. What things from Bellator Christi have helped clarify, encourage, and answered questions that, uh, that you had deeply in your heart? What kind of things are, are there... Let us know. Fill us in. Well, anyway, let's uh, let's get this uh, show going here. Let's welcome the man that wishes he had uh, his own Batcave, complete with the hidden phone, Brian Chilton.
0: That would be very nice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's good.
0: Yeah, that that'd be very nice. That'd make a good hideaway spot.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's the, the the phone was hidden in the wall, and spun around. We're talking about the old stuff, people, the black and white stuff. I know there's a lot of people that don't remember that. But.
0: You know, Curtis, i got to share with you, I, well, I started a new job in chaplaincy not long ago. And uh, and uh, let me just say a word here, just as we begin, uh, my apologies to uh, to our listeners uh, we, we've had a, a couple of weeks that we've been off the air and and really we've just had some scheduling conflicts and so uh're we're, we're glad to be back on the air today we've we've yeah. been sitting on these topics for a couple of weeks now, and so we're we're really ready to go but you know talking about that Curtis i I, I met a lady not long ago who was born in uh, she said nineteen ninety and I turned around as i as she said that and says, boy, I feel old." <laughs> funny, <laughs> man, yeah. yeah, that's no kidding,
1: yeah, yeah, it's funny, because, you know, like, my kids, I'll always make the joke, I'm, like, always saying, yeah, I was born in the 1900s, and they just spin around, look at me, like, what, <laughs> 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 you know, because, you know, back in the day, grandpa could always say that, you know, yeah. so. <laughs> uh, what good times, I tell you what, though, um, being a granddad, he that's uh, that's some pretty special stuff. A little grandson of mine, boy, he's a he's a cute little guy. Uh, <laughs> pretty special.
0: So, <laughs> yep, good stuff. There's nothing like them. That's for sure. I mean, I don't have grandkids yet, but there's just there's nothing uh, there's nothing like uh, uh, kids in general. Yeah, yeah, the joy of it. So, speaking
1: of kids in general, we were talking about this at uh, at a at a um, you could say it's a Bible study, um, but uh, we were all kind of sitting around talking about it, and we were talking about how um, Jesus, uh, you know, just uh, humbled himself. How how the humbleness, how the humility of, of laying aside everything and coming to earth and, and actually taking part in that. And I said, you know, I said, what's crazy, and I was talking to folks that I know hadn't watched... Um, The the movie series uh, called The Chosen. Um, It's a very uh, good
0: series, by the way.
1: Oh man! Well, there's a part in there that that just gets me every time I watch it, and I mean, I just I just am staring at it the whole time. It there's a there's actually a. Two scenes in there, but one of them is at the wedding at Cana. So when when Jesus turns water into wine, if we know the biblical stories, which some you know most of our listeners probably do, and when he turns when he's there at the wedding at Cana, you see him. Uh, dancing with his friends and, and just enjoying and laughing and then it cuts to a scene and I, you might have remembered this Brian where it shows him sitting at a table and the kids are just playing all around him and he's playing a shell game with them and just laughing and entertaining and engaging with the children and it's it's like the, the god of the universe the, the creator of all my, of everything is, is is playing with with children, and, yeah. and it's it's it, to me it was just a it's just a moment when you see that you just it 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 breaks you in too.
0: You know, I, I don't recall that scene. I, I, I may not have have made it th- to that part yet in the series, but you know, ha- having seen other movies that'll that'll d- depict that. Yeah, the, the amazing thing historically is that that children were especially in ancient times were 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 seen as almost subhuman, uh, second class citizens, if you will. That they they were, you know, they were basically told that they were basically seen and not heard. But for Jesus to do that, to for him to actually put a child on his lap and say, such are these, such as these are the, you know, are are those in the kingdom of heaven. uh, You've got to become like a child, have a childlike faith. Uh, that is very, very telling. And you know, I was reading um, for a bibliology class, which I've, I've just finished. It's a, it's it's the toughest class at Liberty University. There's no doubt about that. But uh, Doctor Doctor Morrison's a great professor. I, he's a genius of a man. He really is, and uh, a sweet man too. Um, yeah, you're just buttering up the grade, dude. Well, you you you, you sound like Mark Ragsdale. <laughs> <laughs> He calls me an apple polisher, but you know what? If he's listening, you know, if he's listening to this podcast today, he brought in a great big pot of Folgers coffee, and so he could talk about me being an apple polisher all he wants to. But I call him Mister Folgers from that point on because. <laughs> uh, so, Mark, if you're listening, we love you, brother. <laughs> but you are Mister Folgers. <laughs> yes, that's great. But but anyhow, yeah, you know, we read read some of the writings of Karl Barth. And uh, I, I don't agree with Bart on everything, uh, but one of the things that he did mention is that really just struck a chord with me is about the hiddenness of God. You know, we don't, we can't see God. Um, I do believe God speaks to us. I do believe that God uh, gives us impressions of the Spirit, and we've we've mentioned that on previous podcasts, and we probably will again. Um, but the amazing thing to me is that you know we can't see God, but yet. This hidden God, Bart says, the great mystery of it all is this hidden God manifested himself by becoming one of us in Christ. And to think that, that as you were talking about, the, with these kids, they were playing with, by every intention, the creator of the universe. That is just really amazing. It's mind-boggling when you really stop to think about the ramifications yeah. it know.
1: Yeah, and they had no idea who was sitting there with
0: them. Absolutely. You know, you know I mean, it, that, that's the part that probably, uh,
1: that probably hits me the hardest when I see that scene. Uh, it's just... But anyway, yeah, so Chosen, um, that's a, a series where you guys all can check it out. You can go look it up um, on the Internet. You can look up The Chosen. Uh, it's an actual app that you got to download, and it's actually... Uh, um, it's a pay-it-forward type um, movie series that uh, that actually has, uh, uh, well, season one is already done, and they're working on season two right now, so it's good stuff. Amen. So any, so anyway, uh, we've got some topics here that we want to get after, um, and I think we could probably go ahead and just... Start in on the first one. Um, we're going to start with the the dangers of a humanistic theology. You want to go ahead and start with that one, Brian?
0: Yeah, and uh, Curtis, you may be aware of a song called Oh Sacred Neck," and and we we're very sensitive to uh, the 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 things that have happened in Minneapolis and um, and and roundabout with uh, with the different. It, we don't, you know, any time a person is killed, no matter what. I mean, I, we all as Christians need to mourn. That fact, but uh, but this there was a song you made me aware of where it was it was taking a Christian hymn and um, and and tweaking it over, um, almost making an individual God or making an individual Christ, and and while we want to be sensitive to to uh, the, the uh, to to the fact of what happened and things of this nature, it brings to mind uh, the dangers that we have. Um, in general, in our society, and I think it's even creeping into many churches today, the dangerous danger of humanistic theology, where we elevate the self over God. Um, and and I, I have even heard people, uh, well, in fact, I have e- was, you know, and not trying to rehash things that's happened in the past, but I was actually criticized one time for talking about the aseity of God. And, and that's clearly biblical. And, and it's, it's a shot to the ego when we realize that God doesn't have to have us. Uh, he, I mean, we think that we're important, we think we're special, and we are. But the reason we are is because God gave us purpose and value and meaning. But the creator of the universe did not have to make us. And once we say... That the Creator had to make us, or the Creator needs us, we place whether we realize it or not. We place humanity, we place ourselves above God, and that is the chief form, the highest form of idolatry that we ever ever could do. Uh, and I think that is actually the problematically one of the things that led to Satan's fall.
1: I was just going to say that. Pride, yeah.
0: Exactly. For sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Satan wanted to be God, and so he was kicked out of heaven because he tried to be God and tried to overcome God, which, how are you going to do that? I mean, no, no offense, I mean, because Satan is a powerful adversary, he's a he's a dangerous entity, and, and all, you know, gi- giving him his due. But how stupid does an, any being have to be to think that they could be God?
1: Go ahead and say it like you'd mean
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, here, Satan, the adversary, the enemy, he, he saw God. He knows God. I mean, what makes him think he was created by God? What makes him think that he could ever be God? But the same thing goes for us. What makes us think that we could ever be God? Because we didn't create ourselves. We were created. Um in fact, I wrote an article not long ago, I, I did, I've did. Cre- done a presentation for the next and final class I have in the PhD program on natural theology, it was a, it was a uh, presentation on the Kalam cosmological argument, which <laughs> any, anyone who's in apologetics knows this argument, everything that begins to exist has a cause, the universe began to exist, therefore the universe had a cause. But Curtis, I found something fascinating as I was digging deep in the argument. That there's an ontological reality underlying the argument that shows that there absolutely must be a cosmic mind who we know as God. The reality is, is that God is absolutely necessary, but we aren't. I mean, God could have gone etern- from eternity past to eternity future and never made us. The fact that we are alive is itself a gift. And so, how dare us? How dare any of us think that we are so big and so good that God had to create us? Um, I, I think it's I think it's very defaming. Uh, it's idolatrous, even to the very persona of who God is.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, and what's crazy is is how this what we're talking about a humanistic theology. How it eats at the core of actually a Christian's uh, walk, um, because what we're seeing right now. Um, well, Alyssa Childers just got done uh, publishing a new book, a new book out. Um, it's called Another Gospel, and she and she's pointing out how progressive Christianity is taking such a rise in uh, in the Christian theology. Uh, in, in in the Christian American Christian Church, and it, it, it is most definitely bringing up this humanistic theology, this humanistic uh, pride rise above uh, above everything.
0: Yeah, and and I, the the if you go back throughout history, even to Adam and Eve. The problem from since day one, the problem of sin, has been that we want to assume that we know more than God. God told Adam and Eve, you can eat of any fruit in the Garden of Eden, but don't eat the fruit of the tree from good and evil. And what did they do? They, they ate particular of it because they thought... Well, they were, they were tempted by Satan, but they thought that God really didn't mean what he said. And then t- Satan tempted them, saying, or well, the serpent, some people, you know, I, I believe the serpent, Satan. Um, and he basically says, you know, God just knows that you're going to be like him. So he doesn't want you to be like him. So, I mean, God had created them. <laughs> Adam didn't have an excuse, neither did Eve. They knew, they could see they actually were able to... Not, I don't think they were able to see the, the Father in His full glory, but that they were able to see God in some semblance of, of who God is. And right. so they knew God. They were able to talk directly to God. And right. still, they, they made the conscious decision that they wanted to be God. Yeah. And, and I think that's a problem throughout the halls of history. Every time we try to assume the role of God, we always make a mess of things. For instance, I heard on the radio not long ago that in Florida, uh, I, I can't confirm this, but I heard this from a pretty reliable source, so I'll go ahead and mention it, that, that in Florida that there are uh, um, individual scientists who are uh, manipulating, uh, making an um, enhanced type of mosquito and releasing it in the wild. And, and <laughs> that, that, that my understanding is, and like I said, I don't have all the facts on this, my understanding is that these these enhanced uh, mosquitoes are supposed to uh, keep down mosquito-related diseases, but it hasn't been tested, and they, they claim that only one of the genders is going to be released and it's not supposed to take over, but already in some of the things that they've already seen that they're taking over. So we are in the laboratory thinking that we know better than God.
1: You know... <laughs> the, the best thing that God ever gave us in our minds of how to make was raid just to take care of the mosquitoes man get rid of them
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna see if I can pull this article up right quick when I'm so yeah, yeah. genetically this this is even on this is even on um uh, uh, well CNN uh I'm try, trying to okay it's on Fox News too, USA Today um EPA clears genetically modified mosquitoes. Supposedly, the male mosquitoes don't bite. They feed on flower nectar. But basically, the male mosquitoes are harmless to humans, they say. But female mosquitoes, they're the ones that bite. But the, the whole theory is, and, and by the way, from what I understand, the general populace in Florida is against this. They're against this. But there's these genetically modified mosquitoes that's being released into the wild. that's are supposed to... Uh, be better they're GMO mosquitoes okay <laughs> uh, this has disaster I mean I don't know and maybe I'm wrong and I hope I am but every single time we try to try to mess with things we end up making a mess I mean we we started ma- messing with uh, uh, the atoms and we made an atomic bomb now yes you may say well Brian we we didn't make nuclear energy from that and yes well and good but you know things when left in human hands when we start tinkering with things Uh, it's not going to be necessarily good Uh, it's going to backfire God knows what he was doing (laughs) but here again this goes back to the whole concept of we think we know better than God
1: yeah that's you know and and when we when we do that there's so many facets of uh, of of pride of uh, humility lack of just There's so many different levels that go into that that, that man, they are they are sinful. And, and boy, do they just start pulling you away from God. Big stuff.
0: So, so yeah, it's, it's the, and, there, and there's a big question. I, I was flipping through some of these articles, and, and, it's, and if you look it up, just look up genetically modified mosquitoes. Or genetically modified mosquitoes in Florida, and you'll, you'll see a whole host of different articles. And there's there's a big question mark about how safe these things even are. I mean, that again, this this is bad enough even on this realm, but on the spiritual realm, when we start thinking we know better than God, we're going to make a mess of our lives. And you know, and when and when eternity is at stake, it really becomes dangerous.
1: Yeah, for yeah, for real. Yeah, that's a that's some dangerous stuff and you think about even even going not only just in that situation with the with the mosquitoes there like you're mentioning you're you're going against the will of the people why I mean it's the people all around are saying hey we don't want this but these scientists are saying "Ah, we can do this there's there's not only the humanistic mindset of, of we're better than God, it's also publicly, we're better than all those other people, so we can just go ahead and do this. They don't know what they're talking about.
0: <laughs> Strange times, my friend. Strange times.
1: Be nice. so, man. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So, let's uh, move on to the next topic. The next topic is, is something that I think is going to be helpful for for uh you know multiple people you know in our in our listening audience and and uh maybe helpful for uh, an archive you know, for people to go back to and listen to but i kind of wanted to dive into um some key elements to, uh for finding a church you know and and finding something that you can call your church home and i think that's something that you know you being a pastor And 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 me being involved in the church, I can, you know, how can we how can we encourage people to find the right church?
0: That that's a very good question, very good question, Curtis. I one of the first things I would say is make sure that uh, whatever church you attend, and and um, let me just say that I'm I am I'm ordained Southern Baptist but i don't identify my, my identity is not with baptist my identity was with a, was with with being a christian my identity is with christ and uh-huh. so let me just let me just say there are some good churches in in various different denominations curtis you're with the assemblies of god there are some good solid churches in the assemblies of god uh, there there are good solid churches in many different denominations the, the most important thing is this, not the name that's on the door of the church. The important thing is, do they believe in the Bible? Uh, is, is the Bible being taught? Is it being proclaimed? Um, another thing is it concerns the, the, the body of people. Is there genuine love experienced in that church? Do they love one another? Do they love God? Is it manifested? You know, the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Do you see those traits in that church? And you know, I, I think a lot of times we place too much value on a church being large or being small. Um, I think sometimes uh, there, there are some really good large churches out there. The, you know, one of the benefits of being at a large church is the fact that you have you know more opportunities to do different things. But the downside is is you really can't grow. I mean, normally what happens in a big church is people will grow close to the people in their Sunday school class, and that's that's their church community right there. Um, but I have noticed that a lot of times in smaller churches, you you have that family feel to it. But whether it's a large church or small church, make sure it's biblically based, make sure that you you find the fruit of the spirit, and be aware that there are cultic churches out there. If if the leadership of the church assumes too much authority, over over the people, then you need to be cautious on that because I've done some podcasts and wrote some articles in the past about cultic churches, where um, where where in some places the pastor assumes authority, where he even tells the people you know how much they can buy or you know who they can marry and how many children they're supposed to have. Now, obviously, that's extreme, and uh, th- there is no precedent in the Bible for that. So. Um, I think there needs to be good checks and balances in in all things in the church. That way, no one person assumes too much authority uh, over the over the church. No matter if it's what whatever the position may be. In some churches, it may be that you have a pastor, but the real person running the church may be uh, a person sitting in the pews. You know, uh, someone says, "Well, my great great grandfather built this church, and so this is my church." But here again, Karl Barth said something very powerful. Uh, in his book, Church Dogmatics, that that we, we, we think that churches are autonomous, but churches that are, are completely autonomous aren't really churches. And here's why. Because they must be under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Because He is the one that's supposed to be leading the church. The Spirit of God is the one that's supposed to be leading the church. And so, um, ultimately... Uh, the, the church, a healthy church, needs to be under the submission of the Holy Spirit, under the lordship of Christ, and following Him, because Christ is the head of the church. But these are just some things off the top of my head. These are some things that I have found true throughout the years. Um, Curtis, you have some things to add?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I would say that you find yourself a church where. Where where Christ is glorified, where the cross is preached, where where you're hearing the gospel in amongst the sermons, you're hearing the gospel in conversations with people. Um, you're hearing people, you know, speaking and talking in 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 ways that. Are, are lifting up and, and, and pointing towards Christ at, at all points and times. and I think that's important. yeah we can have normal conversations with people just to know our, the people around us but when you when you're having Bible studies or when you' when you're listening to a sermon, is it more about a humanistic mindset or is it more about Christ and what what Christ had done? Mm. See, we, we, understand, we understand the Bible. If we understand the Bible, we, we see the Bible as a big picture, as, as a starting and stopping story, a story of, of paradise lost in the beginning and paradise regained in the end. But, but there's a common thread that goes through every story in the Bible. And, and if that thread is being pulled open... And you're able to examine and see that it's pointing to the cross at all times. Uh, that that's a big thing. That's a that's a super big thing. I said, uh, you know, another thing that I think would be helpful for people is, you know, go to a church. Uh, you know, now there's a lot of people that have church online for right now. Um, so watch a couple online. You know, a couple of weeks of just being online, engaging in that way, and then. I encourage people, make an appointment with the pastor. If, if you can make an appointment with the pastor and you can go sit down and you can have a discussion with them, tell them your story. Tell them who you are, what's going on, your family. Introduce them to your family, so on and so forth. And make sure it's a safe place that, that, that you can share those things with the pastor. And the pastor actually has a heart and understands who you are and what's going on. Um, I think that develops a relationship there that, that cannot be, um, that, that really is priceless. Um, there are churches that I know of that, that I've actually been part of that it was almost like the, the pastor um, was almost like protected in this inner, inner circle the only way to get to them was to be able to know the staff members. And then you had to know the staff members to know another layer of people and be able to get in there. And you'd see the pastor, you know, may shake his hand, you know, once or twice a, a year, uh, but but really you have no interconnection inner with them. And, and there's And I think that's something that, as a pastor, I think we need to... take that name and actually realize what that means the name is a a pastor is to to shepherd your your flock otherwise if if all you're doing is you got um, some guy that comes up talks and then disappears and you have to you know you're you're like you said have Bible studies in your larger churches and that's your church community but you never get to know the pastor and the pastor never gets to know you there, there's there's a there's a, a lack there and I think there's a lack on both sides because church discipline can't happen if, if you know if somebody's not able to see that and also you know you have no connection with who's actually teaching you uh, the
0: scriptures that's very true and something you said I want to go back to there too Curtis you said something about The Word of God And uh, connecting it back to the Word of God Here's something else I found from Carl Barth And and here again, I I don't agree with Barth On everything Because he was against natural theology I'm very pro-natural theology But um, he, he did say something about Scripture having two authors A capital A author And a little a author and what he meant by that is that, that you have the authors of Scripture, small a, are the actual writers, the the ones who put pen to paper, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, David, and and Samuel, and so on and so forth, Paul, and 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 what you know, so on and so forth. But the true author behind it is God. He is the capital A author. And so, with these in-depth bible studies and and these these close-knit communities I think that's very important and and really right now Curtis you, um, you know we uh, I left my pastorate not long ago i'm I'm in the chaplaincy ministry now and um we're kind of free agents <laughs> right now so we're actually going through that process uh even now about uh, for of looking for a new church home and and it's not necess- it's not very easy you know because uh uh, it's because you're building new relationships. You, you're starting, you know, from scratch, and so it is. It is definitely a challenging thing. And I, and I, my heart goes out to uh, to everyone out there who's doing the same thing, looking for looking for a church home.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, the, the reason this came up was um, two people in my life, um, you know, are were were have been uh, hurt by church hurt, and so on and so forth, and and people in the church. I mean, I, I myself suffered from that, and so for me to find something that actually I could settle myself into, um, you know, I actually was pretty hesitant in, in, in actually looking and finding and, and trying to uh, search out a church. To be honest with you, I... Until the, until the spirit led me to where we're at. And, and the story of it is will blow people's minds. It's just funny because he used race cars to get me there. But, um, <laughs> but, but it, the thing about it, truthfully, is uh, when, when, we, when we as people have baggage that goes along with trying to find a church... And the whole idea of this question came up was those people that are either re-entering back into Christianity or are are new believers altogether? You know, how do they find something that is that is good and secure and solid? And that's the whole reason that this question came up was to be able to maybe help give steps to finding something like that that has a core. And I think what's what was really helpful to me, Um, truthfully was sitting down and explaining to the pastor and saying look this is what I've suffered before now I'm not judging or saying you know that that all pastors are that way or what have you um, you know that that created some of the hurt that I had to deal with but on the other side of it um, sitting down and, and actually you don't have to divulge all of your Fast and dirty laundry, but just give them give them the idea or the knowledge of hey, you know we've we're hypersensitive here, or you know hey I'm a new believer here, and I, and I need to know is my family going to be safe here? Can I can I actually see my family growing, putting down roots in this church, growing up in this church that when they get older they can say yeah, that was the church I grew up in, and and The next layer of children are grown up in that church from your family and I think that's important because um, that shows one a consistency of of the people to the community around you um, that that they that they see and they know that that there's something that they can go back to which also opens up the door for you to be able to share uh, Christ and 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 the the benefits of being involved in a quality church
0: yeah I think you're absolutely right and and you know like you said you a lot of people you know well for even us you know we've been hurting churches and so uh, that that is I mean right now you know we're, we're listening to churches online we're, we're catching you know d- different services uh on television and just Right now, with the COVID situation, it makes things even more challenging in trying to uh, uh, find a new church home. Trying to see what churches are doing. Some churches that we had thought about attending, they're they're still doing the, uh, the the online services. Some other churches are are open. You know, a lot of other churches have opened up. It's just just right now a matter of. Uh, Wading through those waters, and uh, I think what you said about explaining the, the sensitivities is very important. In fact, something we may very well do ourselves uh, when yeah. we find that when we find that church home.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think what's important is also um, is be willing to listen to the right people that might have the best interest in your heart or in your in your mind in mind for you meaning if like i had a friend that was going to a church that that really um was a you could say a seeker sensitive church and was actually leaning pretty progressive christianity almost getting into um stuff that is non-biblical Mm. And I, I know that from the people that I run with and the things I run with. And so as that person was searching for a church,
0: I, didn't uh, know you were.
1: I, I started searching and seeking, kind of watching some things online and, and listening to some of the sermons and trying to pick some things out. And I had probably a month of sermons, and there was one that actually mentioned... The reason for the cross Mm. And, and i told them and i said you know i would just probably steer away from this i know that they seem you know real 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 sensitive and 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 super you know welcoming and such and and that's that's all good but we gotta be careful and and couple months ago I actually ran into that person and it was great because they were they've been like man we've been in this church now for almost five months and, and it's been such a good blessing you know the, a totally different one and they said well we're just glad that you steered us away from the other one and 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 now and now that other church has really started kind of losing traction in the community and it's it's important and I think it's important to have Somebody that's able to speak into that situation and be willing to do the homework too.
0: A C- couple things: one, you got to listen to the Spirit of God because I do believe in divine appointments that God puts people mm. in our paths to steer us in the right direction. And two, I didn't know you were a runner. Mm. <laughs> so did you say you ran in circles? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah no no <laughs> uh, in fact it's funny because uh, yeah people I know they're big into running and, and it's funny they'll put they got like the um they got the marathon stickers on the back of their car yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen them but they'll they'll say you know they'll have like the marathon da, 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 and they have the the, how many meters it, it is or whatever, how many you know kilometers, whatever. And it cracked me up because one day I was driving behind a guy and I saw on the, on the back of his window and it said my marathon 0.0 0. and I just started <laughs> laughing. I'm like that's me right there. <laughs> uh, that's great. That's great stuff. So yeah, so in, in you know um, I think we'll We'll kind of move to the next one, but I really wanted to kind of encourage people in the finding a church. If if it's something that is uh, bothering you, or, or something that is, um, uh, you know, you just don't know where to plant. Um, the The one thing is is, is also you got to be willing to try it out. You got to be willing to take the step and go in and visit and just and just take in a couple services, especially if they if if they're if they're one of those churches that has like a, a service, like on a Wednesday, or a, um, you know maybe a Thursday night service, and then a and then a Saturday service, and then a Sunday service, well, you get three chances right there to really kind of go in and kind of see. You can kind of you can kind of pick out a church pretty quick and then, you know following along those lines. So, so it's pretty good that you're uh, you're actually in that process right now. So. You know, your your words can be helpful in, in helping people encourage people along. So,
0: absolutely, and, I, and I'll try to remember to post updates as we uh, as we continue this journey and and uh, kind of see see how the Lord leads. Yeah, yeah. So the
1: next one is I, I wanted to dig into more of the archaeology uh, that that you have in the layman's manual. Now we had covered some some of the stuff in the past um on actually on our last uh podcast we covered some of it
0: two weeks ago (laughs) yeah and
1: boy (laughs) and boy was it was it awesome you know and uh i just love listening to some of the you know some of the archaeology that they're finding i mean it's one of those things where you know the there's been stories and things in the Bible that have been like, oh, that never existed or that has never happened. Um, the Canaanites never existed. Well, lo and behold, guess what? <laughs> we found found evidence of the Canaanites. You know, or Doctor
0: Price. Doctor Price said said once, and I didn't interrupt you there. He said once in class, he said that that when it comes to archaeology and science in general, he said you know he compares it to climbing a large mountain. And scientists or archaeologists and scientists are climbing this large mountain, trying to get to the top. And he says, once they finally get to the top, they're going to find that the theologians have already been there all along. (laughs) (laughs) So, they're eventually that the the evidence, the science, is eventually going to catch up to to what God has been saying all along.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty. That's pretty good. Yeah, and you know, I mean, it's it to me, what is amazing is. Like, our, like our, my, our pastor Former pastor, Pastor Lynn He'd go over there and give tours um, In Israel And give these big Israel uh, tours And uh, Right now that's kind of being on hold Because of, of COVID But um, He said, you know, he said you can, you can walk out there He said, and you walk on the streets He says, and you step off of the main path You kick the dust off of that, off of that section of ground, and you've just kicked down two hundred years. Mm. It, and it's powerful when you think about that. It's you know uh, some of the stories he said. It, it's just amazing to me to, to hear and to see some of the stuff that they come up with. So anyway, where do we want to where do we want to start out with? Because this is all in the layman's manual, and people can pick up a copy and and uh, walk along with us and uh, go back and look at it. So.
0: So I think last time we were talking about the destruction at Sodom, so uh, we could talk a little bit, uh, you know, move, moving on from there. We can talk a little bit about the Caiaphas Ossuary. L- l- let me say again, I think we mentioned on the last podcast, let me just remind everyone again, that the things that have been discovered, uh, well, let me go back. The things that have been published are only a small fragment of what's been discovered. Right. What's been discovered and known is a small fragment of what is actually stored in different warehouses. Uh, the whole thing about Indiana Jones and the, temple of, uh, and the <laughs> Babies of the Lost Ark...
1: I was just—I was just going to say, man, that big—that big, that was a
0: big warehouse. <laughs> Doctor Price said that's not too far from the truth because he even told us about in class, and I'm not privy to announce this to to say what it was on on the podcast. But he said that there was a very profound archaeological discovery that he knew about, and uh, it, it is stored somewhere, and and the person who uh, who who had discovered it and who had possession of it died, and his wife didn't know where he put it. It's in the storehouse oh, wow. somewhere.
1: So now we got to go find the archaeol or ar- spend time ar- <laughs> digging up where some of some archaeologists already dug it up.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, see, see, and that's the thing. There's a process. Even with these discoveries, it may take twenty to forty years after the thing's discovered before it's ever published. Um, so. It may be not forty years. It may be take you know. say I may be exaggerating a little bit. Let's say ten years though. Uh, you, by the time it goes through all the checks and balances, it may be 5, 10 years somewhere along in there at least. Um, but that's a small fragment of what's been discovered is actually published. A small fragment of what's been discovered is 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 uh, is, is currently in possession. A small fragment of that is is what is actually out there. A small fragment of the lands. I think, if I am remembering correctly, I think it's like something like only eighteen percent of the biblical lands have been uh, have been uh, explored as far archaeologically. Only eighteen percent, and already uh, from that, we we already have confirmation of something like forty. What was it? Forty people in the Old Testament. And like maybe uh, eighty, it was. A, I think it's forty people in the Old Testament, eighty people in the New Testament. I may have my figures a little off uh, on that. I'll have to go back and check, see if I can find the source to that. But there, there are are already confirmed all these different names um, from Old and New Testament. And so, um, and again, the numbers may be skewed. I may, I may be exaggerating the numbers, but nonetheless, this is coming just from a small fragment of the lands. Uh, being um being explored, there's a lot more stuff out there to be discovered and quite honestly, a lot of stuff uh in Jerusalem you know they build upon they build upon walls upon walls uh so uh so a lot of the stuff that could be discovered is is underneath the streets of Jerusalem to be found there's no telling what's in underneath Jerusalem. Underneath the Holy Land, uh, they're still still waiting to be discovered. Yeah, yeah, they have the whole city of David
1: underneath underneath Jerusalem right now.
0: Absolutely, it, it's,
1: it's like it's like tunnels and and all. It's yeah, it's unbelievable. So crazy stuff. So with the Caiaphas ossuary.
0: See, so let me just read a little bit of this in November of nineteen ninety, an ossuary was discovered in Southern Jerusalem. The ossuary bore the inscription "Joseph, son of Caiaphas," and held the bones of a sixty year old male. It's believed that the burial box holds the bones of the high priest who tore his robes after hearing Jesus identify himself as the son of uh, son of man uh, of Daniel seven thirteen and fourteen. Caiaphas later worked with Pilate to have Jesus executed. The benefit uh, for the Christian apologist is quite evident. This provides tangible evidence that Caiaphas was not an invention of the church, but a real person in history. And here again, it it is absolutely ludicrous. I mean, if you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, well and good. But to deny that there was a Jesus of Nazareth, Bart Ehrman even says it's it's nonsensical. It's lunacy. Right. Right. Uh, So, you know there there's so much stuff confirming the the, the people and events uh, of uh, of the new testament and uh, the gospels that it's just really mind numbingly absurd to think that Jesus didn't exist.
1: Mhm. Yeah. And my my mind goes to, you know, when when Caiaphas said that how prophetic his words were, um, how he said it was it's better for one man to die for the whole for the
0: whole uh, for the whole world, or for the whole nation. Absolutely, it's pretty prophetic. Let Let me read a couple more here, uh, and and maybe we can come back and touch on some more uh, discoveries in, in a future podcast as well. Two Two more that I find really fascinating. Uh, let Let me read the the la- latter one first. Um, talking about how things are built upon. Uh, walls are built upon walls, bricks are built upon bricks. In the, in Jerusalem they have identified the synagogue where Jesus Jesus preached. Now the interesting thing about this is that uh, that Simon Peter's house has all also been discovered, or at least is the house of his mother in law. He lived in the same house. It seems to be that Simon Peter may be have been a man of great prominence in Capernaum, or Capernaum, however you say it. I'll just say Capernaum. Because his house was only a few, it was only like a block away from the synagogue. And it's believed that if you had a house that close to the synagogue, then you must have been a person of, of, of great prominence in the community. So um, they've even found you know, in his, they found Peter's house and the, and the room that is believed to have been Simon Peter's. They found a cache of, uh, of fishing hooks. Of all things, in in what is believed to have been his room, but uh, one of the more famed areas outside of Jerusalem for Christian pilgrimages is, uh, for P- Christian pilgrims to visit is the synagogue in Capernaum, where Jesus would have taught on numerous occasion occasions. The site was excavated in 1905 to 1921, and then again in 1969. The synagogue that stands in white marble, it's white marble now, is from the late second to third century. But here's the interesting thing. If you go underneath the white marble, you find uh, black volcanic basalt stones. These black volcanic basalt stones date to the first century. So the original synagogue would have been constructed of these black basalt volcanic uh, rocks. So it would have been a, a black synagogue in structure, uh, but later the the the. Uh, so you can actually go today to that synagogue, and down towards the bottom you can see the original foundation, which was built on the black original. Now they, they made it more ornate by making the white marble later on, but it would have been that black. Uh, volcanic basalt stones, but that again dates to the first century. That would have been the original stones that were there uh, when Jesus, whenever Jesus uh, preached. Now, let me go to another one, and I, and I'll uh, let this be our final one for this podcast. It's the Nazareth decree. This one to me is fascinating. Uh, th- this is a decree found discovered in 1878. Um, It is a slab of stone discovered in Galilee which held what has been called the Nazareth Inscription, so named because a French scholar acquired it in Nazareth, Jesus' hometown. The writing style indicates that it originated in the first half of the 1st century AD and cannot be dated any earlier than 44 AD since it was established in Galilee by the order of Emperor Claudius, who reigned from 41 to 54. So it can't be any later than 54, and it can't be any earlier than 44. So this is what the decree says. It is my decision concerning graves and tombs. Whoever has made them for the religious observances of parents or children or household members, that these remain undisturbed forever. But if anyone legally charges that another person has destroyed or has in any manner extracted those who have been buried, or has moved with wicked intent those who have been buried to other places, committing a crime against them, or has moved sepulchral sealing stones against such a person, I order that a judicial tri- tribunal be created, just as is done concerning the gods in human religious observances. Even more so will it be obligatory to treat with honor those who have been entombed. You are absolutely not to allow anyone to move those who have been entombed. But if someone does, I wish that violator to suffer capital punishment under the title of Tomb Breaker. Now, here's the interesting thing about this. Why in the world, in Nazareth, would you find an inscription like that? In, what, 44? No, later than 44? That's 11 years, or maybe a little longer, but at least 11 years... From the time of Jesus's crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection, resurrection, and remember, the uh, the, the the guards uh, had told the uh, Jewish leaders. The Jewish leaders had said, "Well, tell everyone that the disciples came and stole the body." So apparently, it took to forty four A.D. for it to make it to the ears of the emperor. And so he says, "Well, we'll put it into this," and so. There you have it. In Nazareth of all places, Jesus' hometown. Yeah.
1: That's uh that that's a that's an interesting one that they've that they found and and by implication, so implicitly it's it's pointing to some event um that that has happened that, that's um raising a raising a ruckus or raising a question amongst people
0: absolutely and that's a good point that doesn't prove the resurrection by any means it doesn't prove the resurrection happened but it is implied in that that uh, that you have this inscription in in 44 a.d in nazareth the hometown of jesus it's just really it's really unique really very fascinating
1: yeah hadn't had a law like that in forever and then all of a sudden that law comes up <laughs> hmm. something must have happened
0: oh yeah absolutely
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I want to encourage people uh, I want to take a little bit of time I want to read from Romans 15 1 through 7 and then I want to just kind of I want to just encourage people along the, pl- the the times that we're suffering right now so Romans 15 1 we are strong we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up for Christ did not please himself but but as it is written the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through in, through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together we may, with one voice, glorify the God of Father, our Father, and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. For the glory of God I want to take a few seconds here Brian and just encourage people in the times that we're going through right now in amongst this election and in amongst uh, all, all the all the stuff that we're seeing shut the TV off take some time be the example of Christ that he's called us to be encourage one another with the scriptures These things in the Bible are written for our our encouragement, our reproof, for time to be able to find joy, true joy. And so I want to take a little bit of time just point that out. Do you want to add something, Brian?
0: Yeah, I just want to to remind everybody, too, that God is a God who raises up nations and brings them down. And I realize that we as citizens of this great nation have the obligation to go and vote our conscience. And um, I, I think that... Uh, I believe we have gotten so focused on politics that we have forgotten and thro- even thrown out, in some cases, the Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that you know Jesus tells us to love those, not only those who agree with us, but to love those who don't agree with us uh to to even pray for and love those who even persecute us uh, and and remember Paul is writing a lot of the things he's writing Romans in a time not of great um peaceful occasions a lot of these things were written at or around the time of Nero one of the most wicked Roman emperors of all time um so We've gotten through things I don't know who's going to win the election But God does And as long as God knows it And He's got a plan That's the most important thing Um, No matter what's going to happen God's going to see us through So we've got to keep trusting in the Lord uh, And and believing that no matter what happens No matter who wins the election uh, God's got this And by the way I, I want to tell you I found this I found a good candidate to vote for uh and that's that's Rick Astley, uh the guy the singer, because it says he'll never give you up, let you down, run around or desert you. He'll never make you cry, say <laughs> goodbye, tell a lie or hurt you. So it sounds like he's a pretty good candidate. Oh my goodness. I'm joking. If he uh, <laughs> if anybody doesn't get the pun, that's a joke. <laughs> yeah.
1: Chris, do you want to hey, thank hey, Curtis. Before spending? you do,
0: kind of say one more thing. Sorry, sorry. Uh, okay. Just want to let everybody know if you've been looking for the Bible studies in Hebrews, bear with me another week or two. Uh, I've, I've, right. I've, with the with the intensives and job training and stuff like that, I haven't just quite been able to get those up. They're coming, uh, so be looking for them very soon. Uh, hopefully, here within the next week or two, uh, we'll resume the Bible studies in Hebrew. So, I just want to let everybody know about that. Yeah, fantastic.
1: That'll be great. Yeah, looking forward to getting back with that. I think so. But we here at Bellator Christie want to thank you for spending time together with us, and we value that time. Our prayers that this podcast helps stretch your mind and is a place to strengthen your faith as strive to create an atmosphere of discussion and is a reliable source of information. Join us next time on the Bellator Christie Podcast, and until next time, Brian and I say, Soldier so
0: on Friends. Have you ever wondered about the Christian faith, but have become bogged down by difficult terminology? Are you a Christian and faced doubts and you didn't know where to turn? Maybe your faith has been challenged and you don't know how to respond. Or perhaps you desire to learn more about how to winsomely defend your faith, but you do not have the time nor the finances to enroll in seminary. If any of these situations describes you, then consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics. This book confronts the challenges facing the Christian faith, but does so in a way that is accessible to everyone. The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics is available in softcover, hardcover, on the Kindle, and Nook. Consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics from your favorite bookstore today. Do you have a question about the Bible, theology, or apologetics that you've always wanted to ask but never felt comfortable asking? If so, we want to encourage you to head over to bellatorchristi.com and submit your question on the Submit a Question link. Your question will be reviewed and may be featured on a future article or podcast. Remember, the only dumb question is the one unasked. So go over to bellatorchristi.com now and submit your question. Did you know that you can help the Bellator Christian Ministries by simply leaving a review? If you are enjoying this podcast, help us out by leaving a positive review on the app where this podcast is found. This helps increase the exposure of the podcast and helps others find it more easily. If you enjoy this podcast, leave a review. If not, send me an email. Either way, we want to thank you for supporting BellatorChristi.com and the Bellator Christi Podcast.